Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to this, welcome back to another For the Love of Lists episode. We've got a couple of very special guests here. We've got James and we've got Rory from Victory and Vice's podcast. And we're here for another feature session. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, good, my man. Good. Thank you. Thank you, mate. Very good. Yeah, so I'm excited for this one because some of these feature sessions, there's a few teams we've had. No offence, Bradley, but Wolves. Uh, we've had Sheffield Wednesday, but this this is going to be a big one. We've got Manchester United, so I'm interested to see what sort of players you've got. I suppose mm-hmm. the less said about the current team, the better. And I think you guys will know, talking off air, that I've jinxed you a little bit, haven't I, from yeah. when well, I was on your pod, <laughs> predicting you guys to win the league. But yeah, sorry about that. Um, but it could still happen, but uh, not, it's not going to be Yes, it'll be good to to see what you guys have got for for your team. But before we get into the actual eleven, maybe a little bit from you guys about when you started supporting United, how it came about, and things like that. Yeah, take it away, Becky. FYI, I've just realised you've got a CFC top on, and we're doing a United podcast. Very <laughs> confusing for the viewer, mate. <clears throat> just to um, you know, clarify, it actually stands for CrossFit Camarden. Oh, right. Okay, Football got you, club. got you. Right. Um, so yeah, definitely don't want to be getting uh, that mixed up. Um, but yeah, you say now, you know, my sort of background with United was kind of forced upon me, shall I say? Um, which for most of the years supporting them, which is you know probably close to twenty years. I really didn't mind because once I uh, started getting into it, um, they were cleaning up everything. So it was um, the best thing that was ever forced on me um, up until recent years. Um, but yeah, my my brother, my father, both big United fans, um, were putting me in the United shirts probably from the late sort of nineties into the early two thousands. Sort of going from sharp into the sort of Vodafone shirts. Mm. Um, so those of the shirts that you know that uh, they were chucking on me, and that's the team that was always on the TV. Um, so it's what I grew up into, really. And uh, like I say, you know, for for many years, uh, it it couldn't have gone any better um, until you know until the great Alex Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson, left, and uh, we've just been living in pain ever since, Spoon. But uh, yeah, that that's sort of my intro into uh, life as a United fan. Yeah, mine is, uh, is similar in a sense that from a young age, and I, we discussed it before the technical gremlins took over. I I fell in love with United watching Ryan Giggs, Giggs before the allegations, as I stressed earlier on. He was magical. Like He was generally just one of the, the greatest, not just footballers, but athletes. He was just this almost like skinny, weedy-looking guy, but he just glided past people. And Champions League nights, at, you know, uh, under the lights at Old Trafford, ITV, Clive Tilsley, United just spanked everybody that came there. And they were iconic nights. Like they were they're hard to replicate. And for me, I, as we touched upon growing up in Swansea, there wasn't really a lot to shout about with Swansea. You know, they were scrapping round in the third division or the second division. And really, you only had the South Wales derbies to look forward to. I remember funny enough going to my first Swansea game. This is a bit of a mad moment. I was in the stand and I was only small, I was with my old man, and beside us, we were watching Swans Chesterfield, and I don't know if he made his debut that day, but it was Kevin Davis, as in Bolton Kevin Davis, his brother brother was beside us, like, and that's my first memory of football, it's going to watch Swansea Chesterfield, I don't remember the game, but I remember Kevin Davis's brother, so that tells you why I pretty much started watching United because I couldn't tell you anything about you know the Swans game, but yeah, United, um, uh, whether it's United or Liverpool or Everton or anybody else, there's a unique relationship with those clubs in South Wales, as we were explaining to Jack earlier, because 
it seems like everybody has two teams. And it's not necessarily just a Swansea thing. I think Cardiff is very similar to Becky, isn't it? Where mm-hmm. you'll find a lot of people will support Cardiff and Liverpool or Cardiff and United or Swansea and United or Swansea and Liverpool. And for me, a lot of my family are Liverpool fans. Like Jack was pointing out earlier on, he's got Irish roots. I do as well. The large majority of my family um, live in Ireland. And even my Welsh cousin, he supports Liverpool. And they all support Liverpool. So I'm not entirely sure how I got burdened with United, right? I was obviously the guy that mm-hmm. fights the power. But from a young age, it was always United for me. Always, always United. It's interesting you mentioned about your first uh, Swans game because I'm sure the first Swans game I ever went to was uh, versus Rushton and Diamonds. Really? Um, oh. Which, you know, that, that they're not around anymore. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I, my father went, got a ticket off a mate of his and then he brought me along. I couldn't have been, you know, more than six or seven. It would have been, you know, right at the beginning of the 2000s. And I'm just thinking to myself, what is this? Like, yeah. I've been yeah. watching like, United games on TV and thinking, like, oh, this is, you know, what I'm being brought up to. And then you, I'm watching Swans at home, the Rushton and Diamond, and I just couldn't, I couldn't work out why they were so like polar opposites in terms of everything. But, you know, you mentioned with uh, the two-team thing in Swansea, when I was saying to Jack earlier that, you know, until recently where Swansea sort of got in the Premier League, I know that, you know, they've dropped back down now. You know, when they got back to the Premier League, everyone that was that had two teams all of a sudden were shaking off their second team a little bit, being like, oh, I've been Swansea exactly. through and through. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying, that you, you know, you didn't support Swans all this time, but, when they were right on the bottom and, and fighting to stay in the divisions, you supported United or you supported Liverpool or Arsenal. Yeah. But as soon as they came back up and they were in that prem, it was like it was the denial as well. It was the I'm just going to name names this, but you know, like the likes of Johnny Roberts no. um, and some <laughs> people like that. Um, who there's photos of them wearing United shirts, wearing Chelsea shirts. I never supported United. I never supported Chelsea. I've always been Swans fan. You're like, ah, oh, okay, yeah. Don't, don't worry about it. I'm not going to get you back up. But yeah, so there, there, there has has been a two-team thing for quite some time mm. least, uh, recently. There is a bit of that where I'm from as well. So my local team would actually be Crystal Palace. Yeah. And there's a few people I went to school with that used to wear United tops or Chelsea tops and stuff. And yeah, pretty much since they got promoted to the Premier League, they've switched allegiances to Palace and no one's noticed so yeah it, it just seems to go on no matter where you are no matter where you live you just want to sort of kick, don't you? you want a bit of the popularity I suppose so it's yeah. they gravitate yeah. to the big side yeah like I said yeah. lads life is short you know you don't want to be people like to they like to view the struggle and they like to like fetishize it. They're like, yeah, you know, it's a real struggle. You know, we were watching League 21 football and, you know, there was Big Big Dave was in goals and there was a dog on the pitch. And yeah, that's real football, that is. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that's great. But, you know, I don't want that. Like, I want a little bit of success. I want to live vicariously through a Cristiano Ronaldo and understand what glory is like because I'm never going to see that glory. So let me just have that moment. I can't expect anything less from a Man United fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm honest about it, Jack. I'm honest about it. Do, do you know what, though? Like, over the years, you know, a lot of um, my mates have used the term glory and, uh, and you know, I've taken it on the chin because that's how it can look. But I always say to the boys, look, it's not like I got to about 13, 14 years old or maybe a little bit younger and then just went who is the best team at the moment and who is winning everything because I'm going to support them. It's not quite like that. I was just lucky enough that the team that my family was supporting were Manchester United at that time. So, you know, when they say, oh, you're just a glory hunter, I'm like, "Mm, well, it's not not quite, you know, I just got lucky. Not anymore, but I did just get lucky at the time. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that, man. Yeah, so. Have you uh, guys got I guess not now, but like pre pre COVID and stuff to Old Trafford much. Mate, you know, this is this is gonna sound man, I've never been. We couldn't afford to go growing up. We could never afford I could I could afford to go now. I'm just lazy as shit, Jack. That's all it is. And with COVID, I can't be bothered to go too far. But yeah, mm-hmm. we couldn't afford to go. That's why I ended up watching 
Swansea versus Chesterfield because it was cheaper to go down the road than it was to go to Manchester. For me, it was, like I said, I've always wanted to go. And funny enough, the one game I always wanted to go to was the, uh, the game against Swansea, ironically, where it was Fergie's last game. And my mate, oh, yeah. from, my mate from Swansea bagged a ticket, right? And I just remember seeing like videos and pictures and I was thinking, fuck, I would love to be at that game. Do you know what I mean? Because it was iconic because it was Ferguson's last game. But at the same time, it, it was always difficult. Like, you know, if you grew up, you know yourself grew up in a family, you know, with Irish roots, you might, you come, you know, you probably got migrant parents or migrant grandparents and money doesn't necessarily flow too easily. So, yeah, it's very difficult sometimes to uh, to go to the bright lights of a Manchester or a London. Because I know lads, again, like that I grew up with, they, you know, they went to Highbury to watch Arsenal and they went to Anfield. So it's not something I ever got to do, unfortunately. But that was the one game I would love to have gone to was the um, was the one against Swansea. I think, I can't remember, was it a two-all draw? Or am I thinking of a different game? The last Ferguson game. I think Gilby Sigurdsson may have scored. We won't mention him too much, though, Jack. We touched upon him <laughs> last time in fairness. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it was crazy, mate. That was the one. I, I I feel like I missed out on not just a game of football, but it was an I-was-there moment. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually remember where I was for that one as well because uh, I, I was watching it with a United fan and I just thought at the time, oh, it's David Moyes. The yeah. right manager, because I, I don't know if they announced it the day before or oh, yeah, they I think, announced yeah, it that actually, day or yeah. something. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because obviously the Ferguson era, I mean, how do you how do you ever top? I don't think you can top it. As a United fan, looking back, like we were talking before I got cut off earlier on about the memories. Like I remember just every sort of Tuesday or Wednesday, I'd come home from school, have dinner, and then I'd turn on ITV and United under the lights against, you know, Barcelona or Juventus, or all these people. And they were just the most iconic games. Like, and Clyde Tilsley was commentating. I think Andy Townsend mm-hmm. might have been commentating. And I'd love to be able to erase my mind and just go back to that and watch it again. Because that feeling, Jack, was just different. Like, it hit differently. It, it's, it's weird, right? Like, modern football, and I wanted your opinion on this. Do you think, do you, does it feel the same to you when you watch like a United now or a United back then, does it feel the same or do you think it feels different? No, it's it's different. I, I think people have got less personality, for one. Yeah. I think it's nice. a lot more tactical and robotic and that, that kind of shows in the way that people are not just on the field but off it as well. And, yeah. I mean, for me, as an Arsenal fan growing up, I used to go... Yeah, I used to go about ten times a season, and mm. I, I've I've not been for a couple of years. Like part that's partly down to the the pandemic and stuff. But yeah, I, I can't see myself going like regularly in the future either. And yeah, it's just it's just the money has has kind of killed yeah. it a little bit. I mean, look, we we all love football. We're not we're not going to stop loving it. But there's something about that kind of time period when we were all we're all around the same age growing up in that that sort of early 2000s that it's just not the same now yeah do you reckon social media is a part of that as well right because as a United fan I'll be straight down the middle with you right I fucking hate Manchester United Twitter like it is just it's just like every it's weird it's almost like an NBA approach where we were talking about it I think maybe in the last pod we maybe touched upon it that you have like Martial FC and Pogba mm-hmm. FC and people seem to, they, I don't know, how do I explain it? They, they support the player more than they support the club, at which point yeah. they're happy for the club to fail. And then all they want to do is just arguing comments all day. And I don't know, I think social media, whilst it brought people together, it killed football a little bit. And I wouldn't say it diminished my love of Manchester United, right? Because I think whether United play in the Premier League whether United play in the Champions League or they could play in League Two or, or in the conference, I'd still want United to win and I'd still support them and I'd still look out for them. But that aspect of social media tarnished it for me a little bit, mate, because it's it's very, very toxic and it's just not enjoyable. Like like you said, it's very robotic. Everybody analyzes every single last moment. And 
there's people out there that analyze it that I don't know, mate. They got big platforms, and I just don't think they've got the credentials. Yeah, I, I saw. I saw someone the other day. I, I can't remember his name to be honest, but he was on Sky Sports uh, talking about how Ben White struggled massively against Lukaku uh, when we played Chelsea earlier this season. Ben White had COVID, and he didn't play that game. <laughs> and that, that's the sort of people that that are on the Sky Sports now. Like that's that's really basic. Mm. basic stuff and yeah all, all this sort of talk sport and saying stuff for attention and yeah I mean look it, it, if it sells papers or sells clicks or whatever I can kind of see why people do it but yeah we didn't have all that did we back in the day and everyone was a lot more positive I think and really focused more probably on their own team and wanting them to win rather yeah. than now it's more about probably wanting other teams to lose or something. Yeah, no, that's true, bro. And uh, do you know another thing that I'm, I'm not entirely sure on is, what's your take, right, on whether it's a United fan or an Arsenal fan vlogging during a game? Like, uh, do you know, do you know, do you know you've, have you seen those types of videos? Yeah, like like when there's a penalty and yeah. they they don't film, the pe- they film their face. And yeah, yeah I mean, look, I, when I went as a as a young boy, like to Highbury and stuff, I took took pictures every so often. But I would not be recording the game and recording myself during the game. Like you, at the end of the day, you're, you're there to watch the football in front of you, not to yeah to film stuff. And yeah, it's not not a bit of me really. Yeah, and you know that's one of the reasons why. As much as I'd love to go to Old Trafford, and I probably will end up going, obviously once COVID kind of you know subsides and. Uh, there's there's more opportunity to sort of get about, but I think to myself, would I want to go up there and be surrounded by day trippers? Because I remember what United really was to me, which was you know the the nights under the lights, the Champions League. Nobody had camera phones back then. It's just everybody went in, you got some food, you got a drink, you watched the game, you came away, you talked about it, and you connected with people. Like people built real friendships through football you know people that maybe wouldn't have known each other in certain social circles they would go there and they'd form friendships and they'd go away together on away days and they travel across Europe and now it's very commercialized it's a lot of like just just day trippers and and I I remember watching the video of um I think it was the Liverpool fan here he is he's back again it was the Liverpool fan talking about Sadio Mane and he talked about how he's the best striker or the best player in the world. And he talked about how bad the Liverpool support was. And I feel a little bit like that about United sometimes. I think we've been almost too spoiled, Jack, to the point where there's a generation of fans now that they can't accept a blip. Like, you know what I mean? And I, I get we have standards that are so supposed to be maintained, right? So we should be pushing for first, not second, third or fourth. But there is a whole generation of people that, I've been spoiled and yeah, it's it puts United in a bit of a different light for me. The bad boy's back. We got another you you connected, you good? Yeah, well I hope so. Yeah, yeah. So my connection. Yeah, yeah I um my my computer decided it was gonna do a a freestyled restart without any warning. So yeah. I had to improvise and use the my phone. So I'm back. Oh. Where were where are we up to? We were just talking about United in general, bro, and about Old Trafford. What's you? Because me and Jack were talking about obviously fans blogging at games and how it's um, how it's perceived. You know, you, there's certainly United fans, Vic. You know, I think you'll agree with me. What do you think of United Twitter? Do you think it's quite toxic in terms of its approach? How? Because I, I I follow quite a few United accounts, right? But I obviously I you know what do you think? Yeah, I I try to not dabble too much or get too in deeply involved in United Twitter because it's a very fickle sort of social media place to be. Everyone seems to have an opinion, but it's an ever-changing opinion. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it doesn't really, they, they don't really stick to an opinion. You know, it's, it's one minute there on the all out bandwagon, the next minute he wins a game there on the all in bandwagon. And mm. it's so like just quick to slate everything with sort of no real, like I don't these people who are tweeting, this Stan United Twitter. If you were to sit them down and actually ask them, to, you know, to break down why they think this or why they think that, they probably wouldn't have a clue. 
because mm. um, they're just it's bandwagon a lot of it. It's, it's jumping on the bandwagon, and no, no, I'm not saying about every United fan because there's obviously millions of them, and there's lots that that do have a solid opinion. But I, I yeah, I try to not dabble too much in United Twitter because use the word toxic. I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I think that's football Twitter in general, isn't it? As well, mm. it's um, yeah, as you said, Martial FC and Pogba FC and, and things like that. It's yeah, a lot of anonymous uh, faces and and things like that too. So yeah, was, it's uh, not. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, Jack. It just popped into my head. There, there was um something on Twitter the other day. There was a. I, it was um, I don't know if it was Martial FC, but it was a United Twitter account with Martial as the profile picture, mm-hmm. um, and it was was put in a post up saying, um, you know, like the yellow and green Newton Heath background. It was, oh um, yeah, we're gonna, you know, um, stage sort of like a protest outside Old Trafford. Hashtag Ollie out. Hashtag Wood without glazes out. Um, and he tweeted it right, and somebody. Um, Comment back saying, "Oh, um, what time are you going to be there, mate?" And he replied, "Going, no, I'm not going. Um, <laughs> I'm not involved." I was like, "Oh my god! Like, you just look so stupid. Like, why? why I, you know, I, I wouldn't be retweeting that, or like, not not because I don't I don't agree with it. I just, that just wouldn't be on my Twitter feed because people are like, oh, you 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 going? And I'm like, no, no, I'm going. Yeah. It just it's just silly, isn't it? Like football Twitter." Yeah, I was saying to Jack, mate, like I feel as a United fan, we're more divided probably than we've ever been as a fan base. Yeah. I can't remember in modern time. I remember obviously, you know, like Jack was pointing out, the early sort of 2000s where no matter who you were, you came together and you stood beside the person or you watched it in the pub and, you know, you just kind of got on with things and, and enjoyed the game. But mm-hmm. now it's almost like people are desperate to disagree with each other. And I, like I said, it never diminished my love for United. But yeah, football Twitter can be a hard place sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. All right, shall we um, move on to something a little bit more positive and your <laughs> lifetime 11? Have, have you guys done a joint team or are you doing two? No, we got a joint one. We got a joint one, yeah. Yeah, Becky, I'm doing mine on my phone now, Spoon. You'll have to... Um, you'll have the list to your hand and you'll, I can yeah. remember most of it anyway I think I was going to say yeah I'll, start, I'll call out the defence and then we'll, we can give our reasons so can I yeah. yeah can I just say though um, before I, I would say uh, Jack I'm sure Spooner would agree to anybody listening to this team there could be one or two positions where we give our pick and there's a, maybe an eyebrow raise for mm. 95% of the team I, I don't think that'll be the case but there's one or two positions where you might go, hmm, really? And the, the reason why, we're going to just put a disclaimer out there. We have picked this team based on players that we have been able to watch. Because, you know, straight away we ruled out, well, we're not going to put best law, Charlton, you know, <laughs> and, and players from like the 80s and because because we didn't watch them, you know, so... So there's a couple of players where you know they're probably not going to be in my team um, or Spooner's team, you know. So just going to put that out there because I'm like, oh, when you pick this guy, well, you know, when he was in his prime, I was one mm. or something. So yeah, I, I think that's fair to be our best eleven. You have to have at least seen them play. Yeah, that that is exactly what what this is all about, really. Your lifetime, your so what we're talking twenty twenty five years. And yeah. yeah, of course, best maybe like Robson, Duncan, Edwards, and stuff. But yeah, we we're talking your lifetime, your heroes, and yeah, I mean, I'm, it's going to be good to see what what little curveballs you've got in there because I think it makes it interesting as well with those mm. sort of picks. Mm. We do have a list of honourable mentions, as in the subs bench as well. Yeah, and they are they are very good honourable mentions. I mean, I think the United team, right, Jack, when you hear it out loud, you're going to pretty much agree with it, mate, unless there's maybe one or two picks. I think 95% of this you'll probably agree with. But um, mm-hmm. starting with the defence, we were the goalkeeper first, right? Because this, again, in our lifetime, we've been blessed with some good goalkeepers. We didn't think De Gea, as good as he's been, has warranted that uh, that number one spot. So it was a toss-up, right? So we had 
Van der Sar or Schmeichel. Now, mm-hmm. Schmeichel would be the classic pick, but we went with Edwin van der Sar because he was instrumental in getting United to, you know, three, was it three Champions League finals? Uh, winning one, losing two. I think his distribution was superb. I think his saving was good. I think his catching was good. I think his composure was world-class, the way he marshaled the defence. And that's not to knock Schmeichel. Like, there's very little in it. Like, I remember Schmeichel in the treble season was outrageously good. But I just like Van der Sar. I think Becky's with me on that one. Yeah. Um, a couple of things to add as well with, with Van der Sar. Um, you know, prior to him, the goalkeeping um, the goalkeeping position at United wasn't really nailed down. Yeah. Um, you know, you looked at after Schmeichel, they had Bartez, um, and then yeah. you had sort of Roy Carroll, sort of Tim Howard, Ricardo. Ivy. Yeah, you know, they didn't really yeah. sort that position properly. Um and, and then Van der Sar sort of came in. I think they had, was it um, Ben Foster sort of dabbled in for a little while? And it, it wasn't until Van der Sar came in where you thought, right, since Schmeichel, this is a proper goalkeeper that commands the defence. And the, the second thing is, do, do you remember, I, I think it's still a world record, or I think it was um, Van der Sar and the defence at the time that United team held a record for... I think it was like 1,300 minutes. Definitely a Premier before. League record. Definitely. Um, yeah. Because we've, we've looked into that before. Yeah. I've done Evitt's world as well, but yeah. it's, yeah, it's yeah. a very uh, good record, that. I, I don't think anybody in the top five leagues, at least anyway, um, mm. has it got anywhere near that. And um, I'm, I'm pretty sure the record was ended by Newcastle, um, which is a bit of a dampener on such a brilliant record. Who scored the first goal against them. <laughs> But yeah, um, so I think for for those reasons we settled on on Van der Sar in goals. Van der Sar, yeah. What do you reckon, Jack? Are you Van der Sar? Or you should Michael. I'm actually Van der Sar. Yeah, um, I've I've said it on a few podcasts actually that so I'd, I'd probably get a bit of hate for this because yeah, as you say, Michael's probably the classic pick, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure who I would pick all time United necessarily but in terms of their career I'm definitely Van der Sar because mm-hmm. I think he he also did I know you're judging it purely off the United days but mm-hmm. he also did a lot like outside of his his United career and I know I know Michael won something with Denmark but other than that he, he did relatively little mm-hmm. compared to, to what Van der Sar did so mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm definitely team Van der Sar as well when it yeah. comes to that and you know what, as well, just to touch upon, Schmeichel did join Man City as well. So I, I kind of, I, that's in the back of my mind. Yeah. That's disloyal as, I don't want to swear, but it's very disloyal. So it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, one of the reasons I went Van der Sar. So yeah, Edwin in goals. Uh, the defence, this is right, the traditional United defence that if you grew up in a certain time period, I think everyone would pick this defence, right? But maybe this is just me, right? So we had obviously Red Neville right back, Gary Neville. I don't think there's been a better right back for United. We had Rio and Vida at centre back, and we had Patrice Everett left back. So you could give honourable mentions to Dennis Irwin at, at left back, but we are going back a little bit. Um, and we give honourable mention to Yap Stam as well, because Yap Stam was phenomenal. But that Ferdinand and British partnership, I think Becky will agree. It was just different, like it was iconic. Yeah. Um, you say honourable mentions to Stan, Bruce, Pallister, you know, three, you know, brilliant centre-halves, but not really in my era. And I don't think you can put any of those together that will form as formidable a duo as Vidic and Ferdinand because they complemented each other so well. Um, you said with Irwin, again, a bit before, my, before our time, I know he was a brilliant player. I've seen, you know, all the, the highlights back of him. He was an unbelievable player. But that time when Patrice was on the left, you had sort of gigs as well. That They were just an unbelievable um, sort of left-hand side. And not to take anything away from Guy Neville, I, I don't think he's got any real competition at right-back. Um, I think the best right-back they had after him was Antonio Valencia. I think that's the best they've had at right back. I don't know if you guys can think of anything 
Um, I would, I'd sooner put Dennis Irwin at right back because he, really? he was right footed, weren't he? So, yeah, yeah. Oh, you could actually. It's a bit unconventional, but don't know if that would work. Yeah, rather than Valencia, but I can't. Who was in the Champions League final right back for you? Uh, when, that was, oh, never, Wes, Wes Brown. Wes it? Brown, yeah. Uh, Wes was more centre back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it's one of those that like, if you want to sort of bend the rules a little bit and say, oh well, I'll play him <laughs> my position here, then yeah, I you know I'm sure Dennis Irwin would do a sterling job at right back. Um, probably still now, I'd take him over Wan Bissaka if he's you know if he's available. But if we're sticking <laughs> to you know. <laughs> You know, if we're sticking to, you know, aces in their spaces where they belong, I think it's obviously Gary Neville, isn't it? There's, there's, there's been no competition for him. Yeah. They all played together too, didn't they? So that's yeah. helpful. Yeah. I can't think. I mean, what the Wambasaka slander is hilarious because I've never seen a guy so rigid in the final third. Like, great tackler, right? Don't get me wrong, but. Like, I mean, Gary Neville looks like Cafu compared to Wambasaka. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Luke Shaw as well, again, like when you put him, when you, Luke Shaw to the untrained eye is a good left back, right? But when you put him up against classic left backs, I don't think Luke Shaw stacks up. And you might agree or disagree, lads, but there seems to be a golfing quality, you know? Yeah. Luke Shaw is, he's one of those that tends to, my opinion changes on him. Because he goes through phases, don't you? Yeah. Sort of like last season, and he he was brilliant, and he continued down to the Euros, and he was excellent. And you thought, you know, can he get any better than that? And he sort of tailed off a little bit now this season, but then so was that United defence. But I'm sure we'll come to that later on. But yeah, that that that's our defence. Um, and like you say, Jack, it it I think it is the exact defence that was sat in front of Van der Sar. So it's uh, it's poetry, really, isn't it? Yeah, I loved loved that Vidic Rio. As you said, they complemented each other so well. Yeah. You got that aggressive throw himself in front of anything, and then you've got the Rolls Royce, which he's probably described <laughs> that every day. Um it's a bit of a cliche, but it is true, isn't it? Like exceptional it, defender. Yeah. If if Vidic missed anything, and that's a big if, unless it was Fernando Torres, he rarely missed anything then Rio would just glide, wouldn't he? And he would just mop it up behind. So, yeah, it was brilliant. Those were the days. They were the days. I mean, it's interesting. You look at the calibre of players United have had. You know, I mean, Raphael Varane, right, is iconic. But I can't put him in there because he hasn't done anything for Manchester United. But he may be the best out of all of them, you know, as weird as that sounds. But, like, because he's only been there five minutes and he's not won nothing, I can't put him in. But... In terms of natural ability, he might might be the best, but partnership wise, yeah, no, Ferdinand and Vidic. You, I'm assuming you're on the same wavelength with us, Jack, on that. Yeah, we we actually did a pod um, about probably about a year ago, top five centre back partnerships uh, of the 2000s. Mm. So Maldini and Nesta were our number one, but Rio and Vidic were right up there in that one. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good show. Maldini and Nesta, man, that is a good show. Um, yeah, so that was the defence and the keeper. Again, midfield, right? This is not going to be a great shock to you, Jack. This is kind of very standard, and to everybody watching, they'll probably agree with this again. So right wing, we've gone Bex, because Bex was, you know, he's iconic, right? I mean, the guy, when you talk about technical ability, right? I don't think there was an Englishman bar maybe Paul Scholes that had better technical ability than Beckham. Like the way he could pass a ball. And he would and when you look at right wingers, you think of pace. He didn't have hardly any pace at all, but you could give him the ball and he didn't have to beat a man. He'd let the ball do the work. So mm-hmm. Bex would be on the right. Um obviously Giggsy on the left because look, for all his misdemeanors in life after <laughs> football, he was just outstanding. Like I mean what a football player. He was absolutely incredible. And um, the central midfield picks itself. We've gone for Keenan Scholes. What do you well in terms of your sort of picks, Becky? I know again we've honourable mentions for a few others, but pretty standard, right? Yeah, I think, like you said, that midfield ultimately picks itself. Uh, you know, everyone's got an opinion. I respect that, but uh, I don't see how you can really alter that midfield. Maybe Jack will surprise me in a second when we come to him. But 
the the only other thing that you could maybe say, and I go, oh well, perhaps is Ronaldo um, in that midfield mm. um, because it's that it's that you know he he was a winger for United, but when he left, he sort of evolved and has all has been that out and out striker. Um, so it depends on where you see Ronaldo. Um, is the only thing that could change that up. But aside from that, I think those four, those four, um, especially in our era, um, like you say, Giggs, has there been a better left winger since him? You could maybe say Bale on his day, Hazard maybe. On his day, Hazard but... over Giggs, personally. Wow, but Giggs, Giggs, does have the, Giggs does have the longevity. Look at Hazard yeah. now. I think I'd be a better asset to Real Madrid than Hazard on the on the wing at the moment. So, yeah, um, yeah, not not to open a brand new debate, but like you say, he's you know he's iconic. Um, probably he'll be in every everybody's top two or three left wingers of the Premier League era, wouldn't he, of all time? So, um, yeah, and is again not to open another debate, but is there a better midfield duo than Scholes and Keane? I'm really not sure there is. So. Picks itself. What can you say? We don't see it that much these days, do you? It's normally now a midfield free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, Skull, Skulls and Keane could, between them, do everything. It's, it's yeah. quite interesting. You've gone for the most recent Champions League winning team at the back, and then you've gone for the 99 team <laughs> even in midfield. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it, look, it makes sense. It's the, it's the chemistry, isn't it? They've, they've all played together. I'm shocked that Ronaldo's not in there, but Beckham is, yeah, one of the best. Mm-hmm. Like, and he is there for a lot longer than Ronaldo. Ronaldo really, what he had two, three years, good years at, at United. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, you're right. Could could you see any anyone from the current team getting getting close to that? Bruno, would, Bruno would Bruno would be on the bench. Definitely. I think he'd get the last 20 minutes. Um, br- look, Bruno's put that team on his back. And, there's, you know, when I look at Bruno and Pogba and the difference in quality, like, it's just, it's insane. You look at Bruno's stats, and I know it's a lot of people hate on him, right, because it's easy to hate on Bruno Fernandes, but he is, he's, he's ridiculously good. And he'd be very, very close to that side, I think. Very, very, if it wasn't for the fact that Paul Scholes in his prime like you said, Jack, they do everything. And and Roy Keane as well. I mean, my God, I watched a video on Twitter the other day of 90s football and I was watching Roy oh, Keane. Yeah, yeah. I was watching Roy Keane tackle, right? And he just, he was like Angolo Kante on steroids. Like the guy just was aggressive. He didn't miss. He'd leave one on you if he needed to and take a book in knowing that the, you know, it would benefit the team. And, um, oh man, Keane was iconic. And there's a whole generation of kids, right, that only see Roy Keane in a Sky Sports studio. So they go, oh, Roy Keane, he's got great banter, you know, he says what he wants. But they've never seen him play. And that freaks me out a little bit because he was ridiculously good. And it's uh, we were looking at uh, sort of alternatives and how do you replace uh, Keane and, and Scholes? And I mean, we went over names because United have had so much quality in midfield, you know, players like Owen Hargreaves, De, De Maria, Michael Carrick would have been close as well. Yeah, Darren Fletcher, G Sung Park, like so many, you know, honourable mentions. Dimaria not so much in a sense that he didn't play well at United. Yeah. But you know, his natural ability is is probably right up there. Um, but yeah, it's you know, that it's that sort of traditional iconic midfield that I don't know, in my lifetime, I I unless somebody incredible comes along, they're gonna struggle to break that side up. Yeah, and yeah. I think with Keane as well, he gets a little bit of a... He's a bit underrated from... A, everyone thinks all he did was kick people, but he could play a bit, couldn't he, as well? Like, he was... Oh, yeah. He played... You know, he was a captain. He led from how he played as well, not just organising and things like that. So, yeah, he for me, he's probably one of the most underrated players out there. I'd agree yeah. with him. I'd agree totally, yeah. And like I said, honourable mention, the two midfielders we picked out were Carrick and Sung Park. I think Michael Carrick would walk into that Manchester United side now, as would Park. Like, you know, Park did all the dirty work for that team that um, that got to three Champions League finals. And I don't think 
he was fully appreciated by United fans as to what he did because uh, the way he just covered ground. Like, I remember watching him play and he allowed Ronaldo to become the Ronaldo that uh, that we see now. And even Rooney to a degree. Rooney, if Park wasn't there, would you know cover the ground to allow Ronaldo to go. But when Park was in the side, he did enough running to allow them to be creative. So Park wouldn't be too far away either. And I'm pretty sure Becky would agree with that as well. Yeah, I, I absolutely hated Park because as an Arsenal fan, every yeah. time his name was on the same sheet, he just used to destroy us. I don't know what it was. When he played against us, he just had a worldie every single time. I always think back, Jack. Do you know the um was it the semi-final of the Champions League where United played Arsenal and that United yeah. scored that great counter-attacking goal and Ronaldo had the free kick? And um mm. I think I think did Fletcher get booked in that game and he missed the final? Yeah. Um, yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. when um Almunia had holes in his gloves. <laughs> wasn't yeah. the first time wasn't the first time yeah but that game is where I, for some reason right United scored this wonderful counter-attacking goal and Ronaldo's free kick but I just remember Park Ji Sung like as, as weird as that sounds he was absolutely everywhere and like you said Jack he just showed up and there was something about Arsenal where he just destroyed them every single time but he definitely gets an honourable mention so we'd say Park and uh, the strikers, well, you touched upon him already, Jack. Our boys CR7, we stuck him up top. And we, okay. stuck, uh, and we stuck Rooney up there with him as well, because I felt like you know they complement each other. Um, but again, look, that's United had so many good strikers. And me and Becky sat there, right, and we were debating, and we started reeling off names, and we were like, York, Cole, Van Nistel. Van Nistelrooy would have been super close. Uh, Cantona, Ibrahimovic wasn't there long, Van Persie, Evers, Falcao. I know Falcao didn't do that great, but the caliber of strikers, Mark Hughes, even Michael Owen, right? I know he wasn't great at United. When you look at the caliber of strikers, yeah, absolutely unbelievable. And there's some tough picks, but it's hard to look past Rooney um, and Ronaldo. Yeah, what are you saying, though, Becky? You're you're in agreement with me on those. Yeah, so we mentioned about Ronaldo. I could see your face a little bit shocked, Jack, when he wasn't in the midfield. But, you know, that man is regarded by many as the greatest to ever do it. Um, So there's absolutely no way he doesn't get in that team. And me and Spooner felt it was only right to put him him in the position where he's flourished the most um, throughout his career, um, which is up top. And then alongside him, you know, we've reeled off a list of names there. There's three or four of them. Serious contenders, Van Nistelrooy, Cantona, Andy Cole. You know, they probably make most teams 11s. You know, mm. them three on their own. So, but we just thought Rooney, man. He, he Spooner mentioned Giggs was the one that he remembered growing up. He was a few years older than me, just a few. Yes. Um, but it was Rooney that was when I, you know, was hooked on football, glued to the screen. He was the United player. That was absolutely everywhere, and you know that those Euros, two thousand and four, the the bloke was a magician. He was absolutely unbelievable until he got injured. And you know, many people say if it wasn't for injury, England would have won the Euros. We'll never know. Um, but he, he was something else, wasn't he? When he burst on the scene, hmm. people were saying you know he was the best since Gaza, English footballer to burst on the scene. And you know, it. You think. If Ronaldo hadn't come, you know, how how different would Rooney's career have been at United? You know, would it have been maybe not been as successful? Would it have been more successful because he wouldn't have been outside of Ronaldo's shadow? You know, perhaps did they complement each other so well that it elevated them both? <clears throat> um, but you could certainly see after Ronaldo left, Rooney had that. You know, he, he was brilliant the whole time Ronaldo was there, but. You remember, Spoon, the two or three years after Ronaldo left, Rooney had that unbelievable purple patch where he was scoring, you know, 30 goals a season. Yeah. Um, and he couldn't miss with his head, I think, for about two years. He was scoring headers left, right and centre. But you look at his record, you know, United's all-time top goal scorer, England's all-time top goal scorer. And I think if he wasn't so versatile, he probably would be the Premier League all-time top goal scorer if he... It sounds ridiculous to say, doesn't it? If he was more selfish and less mm-hmm. versatile, 
Because he made way for Van Persie. He went out wide and he dropped back in the midfield for Van Persie. He did the same sort of for Ronaldo, Tevez. I just think he's underrated. It's mad to say, isn't it, Rooney? Underrated. But I, I think, yeah, him and Ronaldo up top. Oh, my God. The destruction. With Beckham crossing it in as well. Oh. So those heads. It's a hell of a side. Like, good, just to touch upon Rooney, I saw a picture of him the other day and life has really caught up with Wayne Rooney. <laughs> that, that lad looks so... He looks old, he's grey, he's stressed. And it, him and Ronaldo are effectively the same age and they look like two different lads. Like Ronaldo, I think Ronaldo's older than Rooney. Is he older than Rooney? Yeah. Yeah, he is, I think. Yeah. He is, is he? Man, like, that's the one downside for Wayne Rooney. If you could make a case, and I know you said that he, he was very... um. He was very unselfish, which I think we'd all agree. But Wayne's lifestyle, like if he had took it a bit more serious, um, I think, and he'd adopted a sort of a Ronaldo or even a Giggs approach, I think you would have seen Wayne Rooney hit heights that I don't think we'd ever have imagined. Like you look at him now and he looks, you know, he just looks like a darts player, to be honest with you. He doesn't, he, you would never know he played football. And um, whether it's, you know, the prostitutes allegedly or the drinking or the gambling, um, it all kind of caught up with him, but man, he was a rock star. Like Wayne Rooney in his prime, and Kai Rooney right now. I saw a video of him playing the other day as well. Sweet left foot. I hope he doesn't take his dad's approach. I hope <laughs> he's a little more, uh, a little healthier. But hopefully, there is another Rooney coming through the ranks to uh, to take United back to the top. Do you know? Right, there's, there's a few of the boys that say Rooney is overrated, and I just think to myself, how how can you? I don't know how you can come to that conclusion. And you mentioned Spoon, like, you know, it's scary to think that had you've taken a bit more of a professional approach, not that he was unprofessional, you know, you know, that much, but if he'd have taken, like you say, a Ronaldo or a Giggs approach, it's mad to think what we could have been speaking about that he achieved now. Mm. But, you know, you see him on the touch on the Derby County. He's quite comfortably the best player in that Derby County team. Still, <laughs> he, he did a podcast with Jim, with um, not Jimmy Carragher, Tony Bellew. Sorry, he does a Tony Bellew gets angry podcast or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And um, Rooney was like, you know, I, I'm I'm under no illusion. I'm I'm the best player on that training pitch. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I, I, but you know, I'm, I'm not trying to convince these guys, you know that there's something that they aren't, you know, he has to take a different approach, but he, he's like, I, I regularly school these police players on the training pitch every single day. And I, I, I did laugh at that. I love that. But, um, you know, he could still do it now, but it's just, oh, it angers me when people mm-hmm. say he's overrated. It really gets to me. I just can't yeah. deal with it. He was never going to play at the top level his whole life. But I think another one, it's funny, the Rooney moment that stands out outside United was I think he played for DC United, right, lads? Is that the name of the side? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Was it know, the tackle and the... yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they're, they're breaking away to score and the, the net is empty and Wayne tackles and then he pumps the ball up and the guy heads it in. And it's so Wayne Rooney. Like, I, I, know, I know it's at a lower level as well, but the lad was just iconic. And he probably just does a desire, isn't it? Yeah. He just, he goes, to, people go to America for that final payday, so you think. And you know that that guy runs on a pitch. He scores. Does Wayne Rooney really care that that's happened? Yeah. You wouldn't think so. And th- you know they break away, and he's looking at him going, "Absolutely not! not. <laughs> like that is not happening." And he just, mm. yeah, he horses him down and slides in. Perfect tackle. Yeah, you just couldn't write it, could you? Yeah, you couldn't. But yeah, that's our eleven, Jack, with a bench of Shamichael Stam. Carrick, Jisung Park, Cantona, who we failed to really touch upon, who was an absolute icon, and Ruud van Nistelrooy. Um, if you was to pick a manager, presumably Oli. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we go with uh, Ron Atkinson, I think, would be yeah. the uh, the best yeah. shout. Yeah. No, obviously, Sir Alex, and we stuck with a Sir Alex like 4 4 2 as well. Um, yeah. Just sort of, uh, that's where they thrived, wasn't it? That team usually playing in a four four two. Yep. Mm. Yeah, one of the few sides they always had good wingers as well. Like that's it's not really someone you see mm. so much now, but yeah, those Fergie teams. But yeah, I mean I, I think that's gonna 
that's going to be tough to top that team when it comes to these feature sessions because yeah, obviously you're talking two sort of Champions League winning sets of defence and midfield and then yeah, Rooney Ronaldo. Marcos Jordan is very much of the opinion that Rooney's the best player ever to play mm. in the Premier League. Um, as, as an Arsenal fan, I'd have to say Thierry Henry, but Rooney does come close. Oh man, that's 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 a whole other conversation in itself. Like they're both iconic. Yeah. Like I think Thierry Henry, Thierry Henry might be the one player that didn't play for United in the Premier League that I would love to have signed. I don't know about Becky when you say think of the top players. Like I never really wanted an Alan Shearer at Manchester United, and I probably wouldn't take Aguero because of his Man City links and the Aguero moment. Like I could never. Never look past that, but I'm not that big on Aguero, but that's really, another that's yeah. another conversation, probably. And, yeah, and, but but Henri, oh man, that's like the one guy I would love to have had. I don't know about you, Vecchi, if there was one in particular you would like. Yeah, I, I would. Sure, I think Henri Thierry Henri is probably out of any other non-United player to ever play in the Premier League era, the one that I have the most respect for. I think, and the most sort of. Um, adoration for in terms of like I just loved him as a player and you know United Arsenal was such a big rivalry but he his his technique and the way he played his style was just so beautiful on the eye you yeah. just it was so hard to not enjoy it and not like it and the whole, you know trying to compare Rooney and Henri is a bit difficult because it depends on what you're comparing them on you know mm. um because you know you're looking at who scored more goals, you go, yeah, well Rooney did, but you know, what, how many games did they play, and what positions did they play in, and then what did they win, and you sort of go down this rabbit hole, and it's hard, isn't it? So it's yeah. it is preference, but like I say, I can agree with Spooner. I think United players aside, I don't think I've ever enjoyed watching any other Premier League player more than uh, Thierry Henry, mm. which says it all really because. Uh, mm. When we, when his wheels got going and he was dribbling with that ball, ah, uh, it was it was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, I I'd make room for Henri in that United side. I, <laughs> I I I would make room for him. I would go as far as to say I'd politely ask Bex to sit out, and uh, I'd go. I'd play three man midfield with Giggs in there, and I'd have Henri up top. But he, like Jack said, look, the guy was just. I think yeah, Henri yeah. is incredible, absolutely incredible. Yeah, you know, you, you make a valid point. I, I can't think of anybody else who I would sort of engineer into that United team other than Henri. Yeah, same. I wouldn't put Lampard in there. I wouldn't put Jared in there. I would, you know, as good as these players are, Vieira, I wouldn't put him in there. Um, you're, yeah, I, I think it's just Henri that I would get in there. Yeah. That is as big a compliment as you can get, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, great. That's all she wrote. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Cheers for that, guys. I mean, that was yeah. As I said, it's packed with sort of star-studded players to be expected, I suppose, as it's Man United. But um, I suppose before we end this feature session, you obviously have Fergie as manager. Mm. How do you think he does? If, if you sort of got in a time machine and and brought in Fergie from well, whenever last. 15 years, last 20 years, and, and put him in this United team. Do you think he gets into the title? Oh, man. I, I don't know if... It's hard because I, I don't know if the quality is there with that United side anymore, as weird as that sounds. There is quality there, but there's a fragility with them that maybe he'd have to... I, I don't know. Would Ferguson's style work now, Vecchi, do you think? I think Ferguson's style worked well at the time. Um, but it was sort of transitioning into that social media phase. And you remember he had the, the boot thing with Beckham where he boot and Bex came out and you know he had the hair flicked back and he was showing off the cut. And I don't know if Fergie would transition well into to this era of players and people. Because, you know... The whole thing with Pogba and Raiola as well, he just didn't mesh well with them. And I think that's constant now. But I mean, look, if there was one man to pick Jack, I'd pick, I'd, I'd, look, I'd give him a go. I'd say, look, if you can turn them into world beaters, you can turn anybody into world beaters. 
But uh, yeah, what do you think, Mackie? I think Ferguson proved over what was twenty six years that he could move with the times, mm-hmm. and he could rebuild. I think how many teams did he rebuild? Three, was it Three, maybe, maybe four? Before, I think to suggest that he couldn't adjust to what we're seeing now would maybe be doing him a disservice in a way because of how many times he did it. Um, you look at that team that won his last Premier League title. It's not amazing, um, that last United team that won it. Mm. You know, it was spearheaded by, by Van Persie very much in his prime and Rooney obviously behind, still pulling strings. You you know, you had aging Evra, aging Rio and Vidic. Mm-hmm. You had players like, um, what, I remember his name, um, Alexander Butner, Shinji Kagawa, um, Welbeck, you know. You, you look at players like that and you, I still question how that team won the title. And the answer is Fergie. That's why they won the title. Yeah. I honestly think you could, you could put that Fergie manager in this United side now, and I think they'd be up there challenging for the title. Yeah. I honestly do. I because definitely think, I think so, yeah. I'd agree, actually. The, what they're missing, I think he would bring to the table. And he had this unbelievable ability of being able to keep an entire 23-man-plus squad happy. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Giggs did a podcast with um, Jamie Carragher, and they were comparing their times. I don't know if any of you boys have, have heard the podcast. No. And no, Giggs says, Giggs, he says, it's a really good podcast. I'd recommend it. But he said when, later on in his career, when he wasn't sort of playing every week and he was sort of flipping between wing and centre midfield, he said he would take him into the office um, sort of midweek and say, we're playing Chelsea in three weeks' time. You're, I'm going to put you up against Barlack because Barlack's, you know, He's um he's on a rich vein of form. He's turning up in a party. And they put you up against Balak and you're going to stop him. And he said he would have this unbelievable power to to make you think that you were chosen and selected to do this one job against this team because mm-hmm. nobody else could do it other than you. And he said you'd leave that office and you'd think, oh, I'm the man. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. going, I'm going to do that because he needs me to do that. And he said, but then you'd pause and think, well, that's in three weeks' time. I'm not playing for the next two games. And then you sort of go, oh, but, he, but he'd have the, and he'd have this thing where he would te- be able to explain the importance to every single player in that squad. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And he'd keep them all happy. And Carragher said, you know, when he first got into the changing room, you had the likes of players like, I don't know, Owen, Fowler, John Barnes, players who were, who were brilliant. And they'd come in at halftime losing and because they had so much credit in the bank, they wouldn't have a ball again. Um, they sort of have a free pass. He said, and Owen came to United and came in at halftime. And, you know, the legends like Giggs, Scholes, um, so, Rio, so on, Guy Neville, come in at halftime, they'd have a shit half and Fergie would absolutely go mental on them. He'd be tearing them to shreds. He said he'd be, he was looking around as if to say, I'm not, I'm, I'm not used to this. You know, you... you Liverpool, you know, Julier and Benitez, they didn't tear into the experience heads for us. So, you know, it was just to watch him, his man management was different to anybody else. So I think for the stories like that would be why I think he would thrive in any generation in his prime. Good show. So, uh, yeah, but uh, we haven't we haven't got him. We've got Ollie. So, you know, <laughs> it, it is what it is. I'd take, yeah, yeah. I'd take a 96-year-old Alex Ferguson on crutches, on oxygen, barely able to breathe or falling a soldier. So, yeah, to answer Jack's question, if someone does have a time machine out there, feel free to lend it to us. We'll take it. Yeah. We'll let you know if we get any responses <laughs> to that. But I think I think that might be being used for other things. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, nice one, guys. Really good team. I- I think we're going to struggle, as I said, to to be that one. But thanks for coming on. And I'm sure you'll be on again very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, just before we leave, if you want to sort of plug your, your podcast where we can find you. 
Yeah, for everybody that wants to follow us up, obviously you can follow me and Vecchi on Twitter, um, IG, whatever you, you know, whatever platform you deem applicable. Um, ideally, go over to Victory and Vice's podcast, subscribe on YouTube. Um, we have interviews. Oh man, like this year has been nuts. We got Matt Jarvis. We got even Klasnich, we've got Nicky Hunt, we've got Norberto Solano live from Peru, we've got, uh, who else we got, Becky, that I'm missing? Uh, Simon Cox, um, Warren Barton, Island, Warren Barton, um, uh, Ian, Hume. Hunt, Ian Hume, Dean Hammond. Canada. yeah, Dean, Dean Hammond, man, what great, Dean Hammond, great Angolo Kante stories, uh, you know, was on loan um, with Sheffield United when Leicester won the title, but he was in the mix with them at the start of the season. So, yeah, we had some great guests. So for anybody that wants to sub, there's some really good content on there. So check us out. Nice one. Appreciate it, mate. Appreciate it. All right. Cheers, guys. Thank you, mate. Appreciate no you. No problem. Thank you for having us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. 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 No, 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 no.